what was the result? 3-0. Three premierships and I won more premierships alone than the other 19 managers together. Three for me and two for them. Respect, respect. You know, he is a specialist in failure. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. So if I'm, if supposedly he is right and I am afraid of fail, it's because I don't fail many times. Maybe he's right, maybe I'm not used to fail. But uh, the reality is that he's a specialist because eight years without a, a piece of silverware, that's failure. And if I do that in Chelsea, eight years, I leave London, I don't come back. Everyone just heard there was the myth, the legend, the icon, the main event, the showstopper. No, not Shawn Michaels. I'm talking about Jose Mourinho at the top of the show. This was a week of a lot of action on the pitch, but this to me and to Nick, my esteemed co-host, is the show-stealing headline of the week is Jose Mourinho out as manager of AS Roma. And we're going to go through his career. It's been long rumored that the game has passed him by. It's been a rough couple of years, I would say, to say the least, for him since his successes at Inter Milan, Real Madrid, Chelsea. And it all started with the downfall of Chelsea. He had a very rough time in the mid-table there after his conquests and his victories and his league titles that he won there. He was the first manager that Roman Abramovich really appointed to lead Chelsea into this 21st century of massive success that they've had, both domestically and internationally. A couple of Champions League wins, obviously FIFA Club World Cup, numerous Premier League titles, FA Cups. League Cups, Chelsea's won it all in this century, where they very seldomly won anything in the previous century. Jose Mourinho was the spearhead behind that, and he actually ended up having two stints at Chelsea. But we're going to look back at it all and kind of diagnose it. I mean, to me, this is he's he's one of the top three to five managers in my lifetime in the entire history of the game. That includes... Franz Beckenbauer with the 1990 Germany national team. It includes Carlo Ancelotti at a number of places, obviously. AC Milan, Real Madrid, currently Real Madrid before. Bayern Munich and, like I said, a bunch of other stops. Sir Alex Ferguson, Manchester United. Jurgen Klopp with Borussia Dortmund. Uh, oops, see, there it is. Uh-uh. No more ums. No more ums. No, sir. Yeah, we We're going to have the, the, the meter ding us, okay? Yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, you dang it, dang it right now. No, dang. so, so, uh, who was I talking about? Yeah, <laughs> Alex Ferguson, Manchester United, Jurgen Klopp, Borussia Dortmund, Liverpool FC, and I would be remiss to say what he what he accomplished at um, Mainz was also was was quite the accomplishment for 
that second Bundesliga side to get them into the, the top tier. There's numerous other ones, obviously. Arsene Wenger, Pep Guardiola, although I have my – you know <laughs> – I'm not going to get into it, Nick, but you know where I stand with Pep. You know, if yeah. it, it, it's easy to coach the 92 dream team at the, at the at the Summer Olympics when your starting lineup is Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird. He's never – I'm not going to get into it. This is Josie Mourinho's time to shine here. Yeah. But Pep Guardiola, I put an asterisk next to him for everything he's accomplished. You can call me out on that if you want. But when you are Phil Jackson and the only players you've ever coached are Scottie Pippen, Shaquille O'Neal, Michael Jordan, Dennis Rodman, and Kobe Bryant. Those co- those players can coach themselves, okay? They didn't need a head coach to win those rings. None of them did. Yeah. So, I mean, Michael Jordan basically was the coach on the court. So, yeah. Which later became Kobe. So, I want to talk about Josie real quick, Nick. But, um, yeah, go ahead and tell us what you've been watching this week. I want to get you into the show here. And do your introduction, my friend. The spotlight and the floor is yours right now. Tell us what you've been doing, what you've been watching, and who you've been keeping up with this week on the pitch before we get to Josie Mourinho and what he's accomplished so far. And if the reason we're really looking at this is because we're asking ourselves, is this the end of the road for one of the greatest managers to ever be on the touchline? So, Nick, without further ado, go ahead, my friend. Yeah, man, I've been I've been paying attention to a lot. If if you follow the uh, Twitter and Instagram, we've uh, we've we've got an Instagram now. So if you haven't followed, follow. I keep at uh, Beckham underscore at Beckham's underscore basement. Yep, I keep uh, keep stories, keep posts. I've been keeping up with the Asian Cup and Afghan the Cup of Nations live as it's going. Um, I've yeah been keeping up with all of the the uh, everyone's leaving the Saudi league. It's already failing after what one season. Like everyone kind of figured it would. <laughs> uh, now they're jumping off the ship right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, we got Benzema looking at Arsenal. no more ums. Sorry. Yeah, we got Benzema <laughs> looking at Arsenal. We got Benzema considering Chelsea. We got Hindo. He's uh, already left. Sure. Yep, you're a Liverpool legend. He's already left, and he is now— What are you now- talking about, Liverpool legend? He's a Sunderland legend. That's Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, gosh. <laughs> what did he do at Liverpool? I don't. I forgot. Oh, good. He took him to the the uh, the the great. He he was he was the maestro of the incredible what 2020 season, right? He uh, he's. He was yes, he was the captain. Yeah, but he at no point in his Liverpool career, and this is the thing, right? Steven Gerrard was the captain at Liverpool, and he was the best player at Liverpool for a number of years. Yeah, and no single season was (laughs) in Hendo's entire Liverpool career was he the best player on the pitch. Yeah, and I would even go as far as to say he wasn't ever even top three. He won. The Premier League Player of the Year award, some one of those seasons, and it is to me, and I'm saying this as a Liverpool diehard, it's laughable. Yeah, there, he 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 was a he was a pretty above average number six, and a, a very good captain, and he was instrumental in a lot of victories, and I would say especially during the early Klopp years before there was a lot of depth being built. 
Yeah. He was more important than not. Yeah. But injuries took their toll on him, and I I will always hold Hendo in high regard for being a part of the teams that he was a part of. Yeah. But I think that he benefited greatly from having Jurgen Klopp as his manager and he benefited even more greatly from having the talent around him, which Klopp amassed. Yeah. So Henderson would have been the best player on the pitch if it was a League Cup matchup against Wigan and the starting three was like Harvey Elliott, Dominic Solanke, and Rion Brewster, and the midfield was uh, – what's his name? Um uh, the guy, the guy, the no, not well. Yeah, okay, million. You can throw a million, million there. Yeah, uh, Carvalho, like Fab, like those kind of like yeah. if he's if those are his 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 teammates on the pitch, then then yes, he is. But yeah. Salah was there, Mane was there, Wijnaldum was there. My Wijnaldum was a way better midfielder, Swiss Army knife yeah. midfielder than than Hendo. Yeah, even yeah, Thiago Bobby. and his broken ass, if he's healthy, is is far better than Henderson on his best day. So I understand the love and admiration for him, but there's also, I would say as I follow Liverpool Twitter and Liverpool podcasts and Liverpool news very closely, there have always been people that have been against Hendo in terms of where he actually ranks on, as far as being a great player. He is, there's nothing about Hendo that's great. He's, he's good. He was above average. And I would say he was a very good captain, but he's, he's not, he's the benefactor of having one of the best managers. Like we're just going to talk about Jose. We'll clop at him to that list of the 21st century best managers in this century in, in the history of the game and also the talent that was around him. So yeah. enough enough about Henderson, but yeah, he's yeah. going to Ajax. Good good role. He I am I'm, I'm sensing you're 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 saying he was a good like a good role player. He played his role perfectly. Yeah. He fit right in and because of the people around him, that's where the success came. So so Liverpool legend I use Yeah, you're like- not going to say John Terry. Sorry to interrupt, but you're not going to say yeah. John Terry was the best player at Chelsea. Are you kidding me? Didier Drogba, yeah. those guys? No, but John Terry was necessary. Yeah, exactly. But John Terry's a Chelsea legend. I think he, you know, he's kind of like who Roy Kent a little bit is based off of in the Ted Lasso series because Roy Kent played for Chelsea in that in, in that TV series. Yeah. So, but those players are necessary. But yeah. John Terry was never the best player at Chelsea, especially not with the with the best player in Ivory Coast history yeah. up front scoring goals for you, banging out Champions League trophies for you. You know that's. That, that goes without saying. But, yes, Henderson was necessary. He was a necessary component. But when yeah. his legs were gone, they were gone. Yeah, and you awesome. saw a dramatic drop-off from being a good midfielder to being below average and on his best day probably just average. So that's, yeah. the, that's the Henderson – that's the end of that Henderson story. But he's yeah. going to Ajax. What was the fee on that? Uh, it was very low, man. God, what was it, 8 or 10? It was something crazy. It was very low because Saudi only Saudi paid, paid ten for him. Yeah, the, it was very low. It might have been even less. Like I, I'm not quite sure, but it definitely wasn't a lot. Um, Henderson was just happy to get out of there. He talked openly about how bad it was for him and his family in Saudi, and how you know the team was 
not taking stuff seriously. I mean, they ended up being almost bottom of the table. I mean, they were maybe five spots up from the bottom, and and uh, Gerard just had a hard time there, man. He was no no one's wanted to seem to take stuff seriously, is what I was getting out of what Henderson was saying. So. They terminated his contract. Uh, Benzema's looking to go, so keeping up with that, we lost Jose. Saudis losing all their players. We're following the Asian Cup. We're following the Cup of Nations, and we got leagues kicking back off. So it's just been a bunch of following stuff, man. We, we're keeping up with everything as much as we can. Um, we saw Salah go off the pitch yesterday, almost right before halftime. With uh, a- somebody, I, somebody predicted that would happen. I can't think yeah. of who the hell that was. Yeah, so he he's probably toast some guy named, for this tournament. Some guy named Critty, Critty, yeah. 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 I mean that it, it, in a way, it's probably the best thing for him. Just just sit out, and you know, hell, even this might be good for Liverpool because I mean, you guys got got people to put in his place who who might be able to need be Egypt able to, to get eliminated, and then that'll yeah. be the end of it. So yeah, well, they're they're close. They're they're close to being eliminated. They've good, drawn good. both games, so. They're not looking too good, but yeah, man, we're 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 rolling right along, uh, ready for for some big games this weekend. We uh we got some going on now, and some just finished, so we're we're uh we're excited. I'm very happy to get into this Jose talk. I love uh I love the great one. I feel like he'll always be one of the best managers to walk the pitch, and uh, some say he's finished, and and he just might be, man. So so it's just something we're gonna have to see. Well, he's been managing for long time. 24 years. So he's been on the side, on the touchline now for a quarter century. So we have a large sample size. But I will say everywhere he's gone, he's had some level of success. And that even includes Roma, as you pointed out, with him completing the Confederate uh, – sorry, the um, – Conference League. Conference League, which makes him the only manager in history. Now it's a short history because the Conference League has only been around for not even a handful of seasons. But he is the only man to win the Europa League, the Champions League, and the Conference League. So all three European competitions, Jose Mourinho, again, making history, has all three trophies. And if you're not mistaken, you said that he tattooed that somewhere on himself? Yeah, he has uh, he has all three tattoos tattooed on him. Uh, I think it's on his arm or his shoulder. But he, I'm sorry, but I don't think I don't know if any other manager will will do that. I mean, think about that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you'd have to you'd have to accept playing in the conference league, and not many managers. Someone like think about Pep or somebody being in conference league, or Klopp, or hell, even someone who's won it a lot, like. Uh, like uh, Real Madrid's manager, like you're you're not going to see him, you know, necessarily managing in the Conference League. So for someone to do that, I think I don't know if Jose will have any company there. It's going to be hard. Well, let's without further ado, we'll talk some some stuff here at the end about what's going on on the actual pitch. But this is a this is a, a breaking story this past week that is just simply too big to pass up. And when you have someone of his stature and his importance and with someone who's accomplished as much as he has, you have to dedicate some time to him, especially being the case that it may be a swan song. So real quick, he started out, for those who don't know, at Barcelona of all places, because he would end up managing, obviously, their arch rivals many years later. 
as an assistant manager. His first job he took over was at Benfica, and that was in the year 2000. And what's interesting about that is he only managed for 10 games before moving on to Liria, where he managed 20 games. So in his first two managerial positions, he had a combined 30 games managed. And then he made his mark at Porto. He is the last manager to lead a non-top-five league side. So what I mean by that is a French league, German league, Premier League, Italian league, or Spanish league. Those are your top five. The power five, if you will. You can call them whatever you want. Porto in 2004 beat Monaco to win the Champions League, and they are the last non-top five side to win the Champions League. Who was the manager, you might ask? None other than Jose Mourinho. And it was also in that season where he had his highest points per game total. So he averaged out of 127 matches that he managed at Porto, he had an astonishing 2.32 points per match. So he won a lot, as you can see. Not a lot of draws, not a lot of losses. He won a lot. That was the high mark of his career. And he came close to that with 2.3 points per game at Real Madrid. With 178 matches managed at Real Madrid, he averaged, and that was between July 1st, 2010 and June 30th, 2013, 2.3 points per game. That's amazing, especially playing in a league where you have to play Barcelona twice, Atletico Madrid twice, Sevilla twice, Valencia twice, who were still very good at that time, Villarreal twice. So he was he was on top of his game domestically with Real Madrid, but Porto still 2.32. They were winning everything, and they won it all before he made his Chelsea exit. So, Nick, my question to you is, you know, right then and there, you're already with that kind of accomplishment. You're already well on your way to legendary status when you take Porto, who's typically cannon fodder come the round of 16 these days or the quarterfinals. I've heard Liverpool so many times say, I hope we draw Porto. I hope we draw Porto. Yeah. The reason they do that is because it's a gimme. It's an automatic win. You you know that if you get Porto, if you're in the quarters, you're going to be in the semis. Or if you're in the round of 16, you're going to be in the quarters. Yeah. You didn't say that in 2004. No. No. So let's talk about the early years. Do you What, what are your thoughts on his I, accomplishment from from 2004 before leaving for Chelsea? I mean, that that's that's still 20 – we're 20 years later, and that's never been done again. Not even – I don't think – the closest, I think, was Seven Hog with Ajax a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, man. Yeah, that's when I, he was still Ten Hog. He still earned the name Ten yeah. Hog. Now he's Seven yeah, Hog. Obviously, he disgraced himself, but that was the closest I can remember. Was that Ajax side? And maybe, yeah, because they're Dutch. So I was yeah. going to throw Leon in there. Leon went to a semifinal, but they're French, so that's top five. Wouldn't count. Yeah, right. Doesn't count. Yeah. So. I mean, I I think his early accomplishments taking Porto and accomplishing that is massive because, like you said, man, there's people nowadays say we do hope they draw Porto, and and I think Porto actually drew Arsenal this year, um, and it's not going to be easy. Porto's not that bad right now, but it it, it is a, a team outside the top five, so of course someone's going to want to draw them. So what he did. I find to be incredible, man. This day and age, besides Ajax, you just don't see a team outside of France, Germany, Italy, Spain, England. You don't see those teams make it to the final 
let alone semifinal, and then let alone win the freaking thing. Right. So for for the special one to to accomplish that, it, it's a big deal. I mean, we I don't know when, if, or we'll ever get to see that again. I mean, I can't. I can't even fathom seeing someone like Benfica or Copenhagen or Ajax or PSV, somebody like that going and winning the Champions League. I mean, it would be so massive. I mean, it would be something huge, dude. We would we would have to talk about it for hours. I mean, there's just no way you see something like that happen. So what he did is definitely big. Um, big accomplishment. I'll always uh, accredit him to be just off that that stat alone, he should be seen as one of the the best that we were able to see back in the two thousands, you know, and and going going to Chelsea from there, he he also did a a, a really good job. So I, his early years, man, he he did really good. Um, just reading some of his stuff, what he won at at Porto and and what he did was uh was was really incredible, man. I mean, seeing seeing how he left uh Porto and then went to um uh went to uh Chelsea is is just all all crazy all the stories i read from him uh getting confronted by Alex Ferguson when when uh Roy Keane got a red card after after uh he stomped on one of ben, uh Porto's players uh Jose was talking trash right back to Alex Ferguson man he he's He's feisty and he never backs down. And reading that story there encompasses just how Jose is on that sideline. You know, the guy is just a fighter. He's he's a fighter. He's gritty, and uh, and and it paid off for him, man. Doing doing what he did, he uh, he deserves all of the uh, all of the accolades. You know. Here's the funny part about that 2004. So in the group, Monaco won the group, and then Deportivo La Coruña won. Came in second in their group. That was Group C. Group F was Real Madrid. They were the winners. Porto were runners-up with 11 points. And all of them would play each other in the latter stages of the tournament. Very first opponent for Porto coming out of the group stage was Manchester United. They beat them 3-2 on aggregate. So Man U goes out immediately. I where have we heard that one before. <laughs> so Porto <laughs> advances. Then they play Lyon, which at that time was absolutely a giant. So in the in the match in the fixture to get into the final they played Deportivo La Coruña who finished second behind Monaco in their group at that same uh juncture Monaco was playing Real Madrid before they played Chelsea so each of them swapped out group opponents so Porto had to play Deportivo and Monaco had to play Real Madrid both of them advanced and won what's funny is Real Madrid had a player on loan I I can't think of his name right now but they had a player on loan to Monaco who was their property. And that's the guy that ended up actually, you know, knocking him out. <laughs> so, oh, wow. so then they recalled yeah. him the next season and he flopped. He was a complete oh, I flop. I, I have no, I, I can't even remember his name, but when he played for Monaco, he was absolutely lights out. So they get to the final to each, with each other. And it's not even close, Nick. It's three nil. The venue was Schalke. So they played in Germany. It was Gelsenkirchen where Schalke plays. And, yeah, it was three nil. You know, Porto yeah. dominated. It was never. It was never close. So I just think that you have to look at this as something that is an anomaly in today's football and today's, especially in the modern game, where it's all about money and 
big money sponsorships, oil money, oligarchs and Saudi princes buying clubs. I mean, this was still at the dawn the Abramovich had just bought Chelsea. Man City yeah. were an absolute complete joke of a club at that point. There yeah. there was no there was no uh Qatar or Bahrain or Dubai or anything like that purchasing football clubs at that particular moment in time. Actually, yeah. Abramovich was kind of the the trendsetter yeah. for what was to come. And isn't it ironic that the next stop we take on this journey is Abramovich's Chelsea. That's where Jose Mourinho goes next. So he comes in and immediately transforms Chelsea into an absolute terror and powerhouse in the Premier League. Nick, let's talk about that first season with Chelsea because if you're looking at what he did there, he comes in and makes a difference. He's he's averaging 2.23 points per game there in the Premier League, which we know is so competitive. That's an amazing amount of points. He managed 184 matches for them. That was from July 1st, 2004 through September 20th, 2007, when they parted ways. So you have a very, very large sample size there, three-plus seasons. And I think it's it goes without saying that Josie Mourinho, his Chelsea, that first 2004 to 2007 that's what put Chelsea on the map that's where that's why we know their name as a household name now yeah I'm I'm actually looking he brought his whole staff from Porto and before he was signed it's actually Liverpool was a team that was looking to get him but Abramovich told him look I'm giving you whatever money you want and then Liverpool, after he turned down Liverpool, they ended up getting Rafael Benitez, and Marino accepted that large sum from Chelsea to join Chelsea. So that's a that's a cool little fact there. He was almost it's a, gonna- it's a cool fact, but it's fool's gold because while Rafa Benitez did win the two thousand five Champions League, his league finishes were never what they should have been. So yeah, it was that was I understand. If you're t- if you're taking the fact that you won a European Cup, it was Liverpool's fifth European Cup, puts them in an absolute top class by themselves with Real Madrid and Bayern Munich and AC Milan, those cl- and obviously Barcelona. But they they it 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 was one. How do I say this? It was one Champions League season. At the expense of all the other, I don't yeah. want to say failures, but not living up to expectations. So yeah, Liverpool missed out yeah. there. That was that was Chelsea got got the right man. Yeah, yeah. And then Marino just he basically brought all of his staff, and then uh, good old Abramovich gave him seventy million transfers. Man, they got Thiago from Benfica. They got Didier Drogba, who ends up yeah. being a freaking Premier League legend from That's Marseille. That's the guy right there. That's the guy. Yeah, right. that that was the one that changed it all. I agree, man. Watching watching all the old stuff from from the Premier League in the early mid to late two thousands, seeing Didier Drogba and the stuff he did mm-hmm. was incredible, man. So that right there is just a huge accomplishment in, in, in itself. But the, yeah, uh, Abramovich gave him 70 mil to drop and he, and Jose did it and it all worked out, man. And in 2000 and, uh, uh, it says 2004 to 2006, they ended up being the top of premier league table, reached the knockout stages of champions league. He got his first trophy by winning the league cup against Liverpool three to two after extra time. And then, uh, yeah, man, just just it says that they also uh, quarterfinals in Bayern Munich. Uh, he was actually banned from attending the stadium, and he waited in the dressing room to talk talk to players. 
and uh, and then he um, that was the year Liverpool won. So that was the year Liverpool won the Champions League. He was actually banned from from the Bayern Munich stadium. He ended up sneaking in there, but the stuff he did early was was big, man. Winning the League Cup for Chelsea, won the Community Shield against Arsenal, of course. Um, all the domestic su- success he saw for Chelsea in the early or the late two thousands is just—it's actually crazy to look at, man. Um, and then they didn't offer him a new contract at the end of two thousand ten. Who offered him a new contract? No, he was didn't. The- it's saying they didn't offer it to him, and uh, and um, that's when um, uh, in two thousand eight he went to Inter Milan. So I okay. know I'm moving along kind of fast, but yeah. So so yeah. that's where I was going to go next, obviously, because what he did at Inter that is his best managerial performance of his career. This yeah. what I'm about to talk about next, and what we're going to comment on next is nothing short of amazing. It's what legends are made of. It's it's how you get on the Mount Rushmore of managers. For, okay, so for any of our international listeners, if Mount Rushmore is the four, considered four greatest presidents in U.S. history, they're in South Dakota, carved a mountain out for them. Their faces are on that mountain. So yeah. that's a quick history lesson on that. So for me, Jose Mourinho is on the 21st century Mount Rushmore of football managers. I would absolutely put him up there. And if for no other reason, it is because of what he did in the next three seasons. So he takes over a very good, a very good Inter Milan side. There was nothing wrong with them. They had Zlatan Ibrahimovic. They had a lot of players that were, that were high, high end players, but, and they were winning leagues. So Inter Milan, it should be said, won the league five years in a row. And, but they were, they were falling short in the champions league. And what you want with, this is you want a manager who can prove to be a tournament guy, right? You know, someone who can win these knockout do or die win or go home type of, of, of events. And yeah. Josie Mourinho just happens to be a specialist there as he proved with Porto only four years prior. He sells, he sells Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who at the time, if not the best striker in the world, well, I don't want to say he was, he, he was in there. He was in the discussion, right? Yeah, so definitely. top three, top five, absolutely. You know, you had players like Shevchenko at that time, Didier Drogba, who you mentioned, but Zlatan Ibrahimovic was up there with some of the best and sells him to Barcelona. And then, of course, they get Eto in return for, and, and of course, fees were included in that. What happens though in 2009, 2010? They win the league for the fifth time in a row. They win the Coppa Italia, and they win the Champions League for the first time in 45 years. They complete a historic treble. Inter became just the sixth European club to complete a treble and the first and only Italian club to achieve this feat to date. So AC Milan, who has seven Champions Leagues, never did this. Juve hasn't won a Champions League since I was like, not thought of. I, I can't remember. I think 95 or something was the last time they won. They've, they've absolutely been horrendous in the Champions League, even though they've had so much domestic success. They have not translated it to international success, even with Allegri in those uh, mid-2000s teams that were dominating Serie A and really didn't have much of competition. So yeah. that was uh, always a black eye for Juventus. But Inter did it. Inter did the treble. To me, Jose Mourinho lifting that trophy – you had Diego Milito. He was the league, the, the top scorer in the league and, and for all competitions. 22 goals he scored in the league for Inter Milan that season. They had 
a high home attendance of 80,018 versus AC Milan. That was the Milan Derby, the Derby della Madonnina, Madonnina, January 24th, 2010. So he was packing the houses. Average home league attendance, 53,493, which for Italy is pretty damn good. Oh, yeah. This was under, of course, Massimo Moratti, who was the president at the time, uh, one of Inter's uh, greatest presidents to ever to ever grace the club. And, of course, it was the culmination of the hard work that he did at Inter Milan. And I'm sure that it is still, to this day, a very sore subject because that Champions League, beating Bayern Munich for that Champions League, would be the last time he would ever manage Inter Milan. So he went, did his three years. Every single year they improved year in, year in, year out, even with selling players like Zlatan Ibrahimovic. If you look at this, though, you had Francesco Toldo was in goal. Julio Cesar was in goal. Now, Toldo was the backup. Cesar was the starter. But Toldo is like Italian royalty when it comes to keeping then you have Ivan Cordoba, Javier Zanetti was the captain, Argentinian legend. He was 36 years of age when he won the treble, Nick. So, I mean, he had an excellent exit, pre- exit, pre- eh, exit present as well, leaving Inter. They had Maicon, they had Lucio, Marco Matarazzi, who, of course, we know uh, he had a little run-in with Zinedine Zidane a few years before that. Walter Samuel... Dejan Stankovic, Tiago Motta, Wesley Snyder. Yeah. The list goes on and on. Esteban Cambiaso, Diego Milito, Mario, a very young Mario Balotelli. Yeah. Here's a funny story. You know a guy named Marco Arnautovic? Of course. Well, 21-year-old Marco Arnautovic was on this team. So technically, Arnautovic has won, has won a continental treble at Inter wow. when he was 21 years old. Let's not forget Patrick Vieira, and of course uh, the player he was transferred out that season. Mancini was also the Brazilian was transferred out that season. But just uh, uh, Ricardo Quaresma, there was so much talent on on this team, and Mourinho brought it all together and was able to accomplish what only five other. European clubs before him had accomplished and no other Italian side. Nick, can you comment on this? Yeah, I mean, I really wasn't following at this time, but just seeing all this like actually written down is crazy. And hearing those names, man. Um, yeah, just a who's who of football at that time. Yeah, right? I know, man. It's like, it's crazy because when I started and a buddy of mine who listens to the podcast, he'll laugh because he bought an Inter Milan jersey from Goodwill. And he wore it. And I'm like, dude, that team is, they're not very good. Like me not knowing history of it really, you know, this is when I first started following and I look and I see that, holy cow, in, in 2000 and, you know, eight, nine, ten, like this Inter Milan side was legendary. And in 2015, they were like mid table. So just seeing all these names and seeing what Marino did for them, and and whatnot is just incredible to me, man. It just furthers my thoughts of him as such a great manager. He he's he's just done so much more than I could imagine. And and this and seeing me being a big Mario Balotelli fan, seeing Marino talk about his uh his difficult relationship with him was something I also followed. And 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 having him uh 
uh, work with uh, Mario had to be another thing that has to be considered incredible because Mario has been one of the, the hardest players to, to manage as far as from what I've seen. You know, one of the most talented but yet hardest to manage. Him, him uh, uh, what, what did he say? He hates me on City and all that stuff he did. So I give, a cre- I give credit to Jose, man. I, I didn't realize how much he did for Inter Milan. The whole uh, Real Madrid and uh, Inter Milan saga was something else that I watched YouTube video on, and it's pretty incredible, man, seeing that transition and what happened with Eto and and all that. So I'm sure we're we're that's the next stage of this. It but is the it, next stage. It's, it's incredible, yeah. man. It, it just needs to go. It just needs to be highlighted of how special that Inter Milan side was. And I do believe if I'm not mistaken, I think I've read it. I can be corrected. Of course, if I'm wrong, but I think that Josie Mourinho said that that Inter Milan side was his favorite that he ever managed. It was really, really special team. The transfer to get Samuel Eto'o from Barcelona. And if you look at the ages of these players, that was it for them, right? Like some of these players, the best ones are in their late twenties. Javier Zanetti's 36. Cesar in goal is 30. His backup yeah. told us 38. You're you're looking, this is an aging side. Mike Cohen, I think, was 28 at the time. So you're you're not you're not dealing with um you're not dealing with a squad that's got these next generation players waiting, like a, a you know, Harvey Elliott type of guy that's just that, that's just waiting in the wings to come up or or uh, someone like Joshua Kimmich, when he was young at Bayern, he was just waiting yeah. to, to replace Philip Lom. There was nothing. It was Inter. Inter was actually this treble masked a lot of things that were yet to come. You talked yeah. about when you started following Inter and the and the uh, Mauro Icardi years that they were mid table, so between like six and nine. And yeah. this is a result because there was a lot of there was a lot of band aiding problems that came after this treble. And it started with the very next season when they were not able to win the league for a sixth consecutive time. They did finish yeah. runners up, but they didn't have near the success that they had in 2009-2010. So let's let's move on after his big accomplishment there. He goes to Real Madrid, right? He lifts the Copa del Rey in his debut season, but that was it. His second season, he goes and he gets over 100 points, Nick, 100 points in the league. They did miss out on the Champions League. Guess who beat them in the Champions League? Who knocked them out of the Champions League in the semifinals? Uh, I'm going to say Liverpool. Well, you have the wrong club, but you have the right manager of that club. Oh, Borussia Dortmund. Jurgen Klopp's Borussia Dortmund knocked Real Madrid on their ass in the wow. semifinals to advance to the Champions League final for the first time since they won it back in 1995. By the way, also Dortmund beat Juventus in that Champions League final that year wow. when Dortmund won their only Champions League. So that just adds to the misery of, of Juventus Turin. But yeah, I, I, I digress. So he wins the he wins the La Liga. He beat Barcelona to get over a hundred. He got a hundred points, but then of course got knocked out by Jurgen Klopp in the Champions League semifinal. So and one legend beat a, a, a future legend beating a current legend. And then that's when it falls apart, Nick, because you have a lot of prima donnas playing for Real Madrid, right? Mourinho's third season, a lot of off-pitch controversy. He got into arguments and feuds with Sergio Ramos, Icar Casillas, and he also told everyone that Cristiano Ronaldo was incapable of taking constructive criticism. We all know that Ronaldo's a prima donna bitch, but 
We also know that he's one of the greatest goal scorers. But if you've ever looked at him very closely when he's playing for Portugal, I watched him in the Portugal-USA match back in the 2014 World Cup. He, I defend in my sleep more than he defends on the pitch. He, he rarely ever comes back to support his teammates in defense, and that was what Mourinho was talking about in the fact that he's a glory seeker, right? He wants the glory. He wants the goals. He wants the ball in the final third of the pitch. But when it comes to actually doing the work to get the ball there, he's just a part, he's he's just a, a an onlooker. Yeah. And so it was after all of this, he his relationship with the Spanish media hit rock bottom. He was saying that uh, Barcelona received unfair UEFA treatment. His criticism over Kareem Benzema drew fury. That's when he was. Um, that's when uh, Gonzalo Higuain was injured. Mourinho stated, if I can't hunt with a dog, I will hunt with a cat. So he said that about Benzema. So, and and I wanted to point this out. I don't know that there will ever be another manager like him when it comes to doing things the Mourinho way. Love him or hate him, this man did things his way. He was going to win or die or lose or draw by the sword, right? You you live by the sword, you die by the sword. They say Mourinho's sword was sharper than anyone else's sword the majority of the time. Big time. And that's why he's one of the greatest to ever, ever grace this great game we call football, especially when it comes to what he's done over the span of a quarter century. But what he did at Real Madrid still has to be looked at as, as a success, but then it falls apart with just all this off-pitch drama. So this is where we start to see the off-pitch stuff come in, Nick. So let's talk about this for a second. Real Madrid, not a very good exit for him as things unraveled with his players and the media on his way out and uh, back to England. Yeah. Yeah, he he went back to Chelsea. This is where... I thought I watched a big a big uh, video on the whole ending of the Real Madrid saga and then his return to Chelsea and uh, I mean really this is where you start to see these issues you know uh, when Real Madrid happened and um, not really much good that that came from the Jose time back at Chelsea a second time I mean he did sign three of the main players that were a big part of their uh, their Premier League title that they got with the Italian uh, legend Conte. But he didn't have the success he had uh, the first go-round, man. A lot of, uh, a lot of, um, a lot of not good that happened his second time at Chelsea. Well, let's not jump to Chelsea just yet. We're still, let's, let's, let's yeah. keep it on Real yeah. because this is, this is three years of his history. Real Madrid, I, I want to say a, a quote, you know, he said, we did fantastic things, and we won the league in a unique way. We also had bad moments. I made mistakes, but the experience made me a better manager in person. Now I want to take this into consideration. He managed a total of 178 matches. That's all competitions, Nick. So you yeah. got to think, you're playing Barcelona twice a year for three years. You're playing clubs like an elite Borussia Dortmund with Jurgen Klopp at the helm at that time. You're playing clubs like Bayern Munich in the Champions League. You're play, I mean, everything, right? 178 matches. He wins 127 of them, draws 28, and loses 23. Yeah. I mean, an, an incredible record, win-loss, draw record at Real Madrid, and yet somehow for Jose it unravels at the end. Yeah, I, I'm seeing the record-breaking league, the title they had in 2011 to 2012, you know, scoring club record, uh, 
uh, 15 straight wins. He scored a, a record of, uh, what was it? A hundred and something goals. Like they, they just, uh, they were tearing it up that 2011, 2012 season. Yeah, most yeah. scored. There it is. Real yeah. Madrid. He 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 broke the record for more most goals scored with 109. And then it says here that Pep just basically gave up and conceded the title to Real Madrid. Pep gave up. Wow. Yeah, that's what it says here. It says Barca man, Barca manager Pep Guardiola conceded the title to Real Madrid. Yeah. All right. Well, the thing about it is. You know, you you're often remembered by the last of what you did as opposed to what you did at the beginning. And so that's yeah. why I think a lot of people they don't look as fondly upon his time at Real Madrid. They they split after his third season, they finished fifteen points off the title. He didn't have a single trophy at Real Madrid, so not even nothing even domestically. And he said at that time it was the worst season of his entire career. So you have to take that into consideration a lot of success and he's saying that's the worst, worst of his career. And probably by Real Madrid standards, it was terrible, but by a lot of other club standards, it would still be a pretty damn good season. But I think that that's when the hand, the writings on the wall is when you're faced with all this adversity. And a lot of it is just drama. It's not even, you, you can't call your, your star player out for being able to, to accept constructive criticism Higuain was your guy. He gets injured. You put Benzema in. You make a com- so he's going to make a comment. That's the thing is Mourinho's going to say what he wants to say, and in that aspect, he when I said when I opened the show saying he's a showstopper, the icon, the main event, he is very much like a young Shawn Michaels in that aspect. Is because they're both going to say whatever the hell they want to say, and you can either like it, love it, hate it, whatever. They don't give a damn. They do not care. He didn't care what people thought of him. He didn't care what the media thought, what Pep Guardiola thought, what Yopinkas thought, or what you and I thought. He he was going to do and say what he wanted to do and say, win, lose, or draw, be damned. And so to be that way and have way more wins than losses and draws says a lot. But you know and I know that the pressure at Real Madrid is so massive that if you win no trophies and you finish 15 points behind Barca for the league, that is probably going to be a good send-off for you uh, on the way out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Real Madrid doesn't – they're one of those clubs that don't put up with, with you know, not winning, man. They're not like, you know, Tottenham or Arsenal or somebody. They, they'll get rid of you and fire you in a heartbeat. Their standards are very high. Um. It's funny I'm holding back saying what I want to say because I'm waiting till we get to this one point in his career. Yep, we're, we're almost there. there. We're almost we're there. Almost there. Yep. So on July first, twenty thirteen, he nine years after he accepted his first contract at Chelsea, he accepts his second contract at Chelsea. This is the only place where he has managed twice, and the second time it ended a lot worse than it did the first time. I vividly remember December 17, 2015, Chelsea was mid-table. They were playing for nothing. And it's here, Nick, that for the first time since he was at Liria back in 2002, his points per game dipped below two. So 136 matches managed his second stint with Chelsea. 
points per game, 1.96. The the previous four stops, Porto 2.32, Chelsea 2.23, Inter 2.12, Real Madrid 2.30, and here comes Chelsea 1.96. So we're starting to see the gradual decline. So the Mourinho way, right? We know what this includes. This is going to be his preferred formation, as everyone should know by now, is a 3-4-2-1. That's what he likes. That's what he learned. If he doesn't get the goals off of that, then he will basically wait for you to make a mistake and counter you. And it only takes that – really, a Mourinho squad only needs one only needs one good shot on goal, and that's oh. probably going to go in. Oh, yeah. They beat you 1-0 more times than I can count. Yeah. So, Let's we're back into Chelsea now. So let's talk about this second stint at Chelsea. Yeah, his his second his second stint wasn't as as uh as successful as we know. Um but I mean, he brought in some players that did incredible things for Chelsea. I mean, you it, it's funny I didn't realize this, but he brought in the guys that actually gave Conte his title. I mean, those three names that I named uh in uh, Diego Costa and um, uh, God, he had Hazard. He signed uh, Courtois. All those guys were instrumental to that English uh, to the title that Conte won. So Jose, even though he didn't get you know the success, it was his squad that actually won the league for Conte. Of course, the Diego yeah. Costa. All those guys that, yeah. that were brought in, and you still had John Terry. Obviously, was still there, the bulldog. Yeah, in 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 the back in the back four. Yeah, those those players were instrumental in that 2017. But let's let's say this. Okay, big caveat here, right? the The wonderful thing about the 2016-17 Chelsea squad is they did not have to play any international football. So Conte had the luxury of not having to adjust his lineup too much. He was playing one league game a week, or you know, in England it can be two a week depending on the schedule. But everyone else that was competing for the title, including the defending champions Leicester City, they were all playing in the Champions League, in the knockout stage of the Champions League, or in the Europa League, or whatever have you, right? Chelsea was playing no European football, and everyone will tell you that if you are not playing that double pivot where you have to where you have to play a game on Wednesday or Tuesday and then come right back the next weekend when you only have to worry about Saturdays and Sundays, it's a huge advantage, especially with a manager like Conte, who had just done miraculous things with the Italian national team and the side that Jose Mourinho turned over to him, which was loaded with stars still. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, it, it's funny because he even on his return to the to the um, uh, to the Premier League, he was he was uh, credited saying that uh, when when they drew zero zero to West Ham at home, he was uh, he said that this is not the best league in the world. That um, this football is from the 19th century, and the only thing I could bring. Uh, to this match was a black and decker to destroy this wall talking about uh the uh the hammers uh west ham in that game um yeah man i th- cuz they they didn't oh he also had juan mata he didn't um 
he didn't win the league with uh, Chelsea a second stint, did he? Uh, yes, he did. He did win 20, one. 2014-15, he 20, won, the, okay, won the Premier League. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he won it. Okay. But, but here's the thing, okay? So five Premier League home losses in the second spell. Five. Five yeah. Premier League home losses. I want you to, to listen to that number. Yeah. He had no defeats at home in his entire first stint with Chelsea. Oh, my God. None. He had a 77-game unbeaten streak at Stamford Bridge oh. that was broken by Sunderland of yeah. all clubs in April of 2014. It was Mourinho's first defeat at Stamford Bridge in the Premier League. In the Premier League. So before yeah. anyone says, oh, the Champions League, okay, in the Premier League, okay, Premier League, in the yeah. league, I, I, I'm making that, that disclaimer right now. He won two more trophies in his second stint in Chelsea, bringing his tally at that time to, wow, Nick, this is a really shitty total of – Trophies only twenty two thus far at that point. Yeah. Jesus, only twenty two. I say only, only twenty two. He had one hundred and forty one. He had one hundred and forty one thousand British pounds in fines that were that were thrown his way in his second spell at Chelsea, which I think only he can accomplish. Oh, big time! And he used twenty two players in that Premier League winning season, twenty fourteen fifteen. Listen to this, 3,420 minutes played by Captain John Terry in that same season, which is un- unreal. Yeah, you don't see that. So, Eden Hazard went 27 games without a goal. Diogo Costa only had one Champions League goal. It's it's just, you know, that that that's when things start to unravel, right? But 2014-15, he comes right back and basically takes over where he left off. Now, it wasn't as successful in terms of he didn't have the unbeaten home streak and all all this stuff, but he won the league in 2014-15. And am I wrong, Nick? Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that not what he was brought in to do, was to win the league? Absolutely. We won Premier League manager of the season that season. Uh, Hell, they won the league with three games left. So, it's funny they say here that he was saying all season that this was a rebuilding season, but yet here he is. They went ahead and won the league. Oh man, yeah. See, yeah, I, what I, happened? It's the 2015-16 season where it all unraveled because that's yeah. where you're. St- so it's honestly, Nick. I draw parallels right to Pochettino's Chelsea right now because yeah. they're basically the same spot in the table. You know, they hover between like eight and twelve. Yeah, And that's where Chelsea was in 2015-16. The only difference is that Pochettino has no European football, so he has no damn excuse for being as shitty as he is this season, other than the fact it's his first season. But so many other managers can go somewhere with that kind of talent and get at least top six, right? I mean, I don't think it's too much to to ask to get this Chelsea side with Raheem Sterling and Nick Jackson and – Gosh, yeah, I mean, just uh, a Casado and all uh, all these investments, right? Yeah. To to get into the yeah. well, Connor Gallagher, right? Yeah. So well, hell, he's he's becoming the new new big English guy. So they're already talking about him playing in Euros. Well, don't don't forget about Cole. Oh God, yeah, Cole Palmer. I mean, Jesus, yeah. he's he saved them. He's he's single handedly saved. Chelsea period. Correct. Season. So th- this, this is, this is a top six side talent wise and yeah. yet they're not performing like that. Yeah. They don't have European football. 
there's no excuse. Now, Mourinho did have Champions League that season. But, yeah. again, it's what looks to be happening as we look at this pattern. This is where, to me, the end of the Real Madrid campaign in 2013-14 and the 2015-16 season, so right before Christmas, he sacked in 2015. Yeah. This is where the I, I like to call this the modern Mourinho era because it's yeah. it's your past – your past Porto, your past Inter, your past Real Madrid when you won yeah. got the hundred points. Yeah. Now you're coming to the second half of his career, and we'll move on to a different English side after this, and this is where it gets really juicy. Yeah. But it's starting to the the green leaves on the tree are starting to brown a little, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I agree. This is where you start to see the the browning of the leaves. I, I that's a great comparison. This is when I started to be aware of what's going on and and Jose and and this is when I got to see where someone like Jose couldn't manage at a place like where he goes to next. Well, let's talk about where he goes to next. He goes to Manchester United. He's introduced as their manager. He and again. He inherits a side with you have a lot of components there. And and, and I'll say this, uh, to to be completely fair, his his second place finish with them is I think, considering the ownership, considering the fucking politics at Manchester United, considering the bullshit that you have to deal with, and yes, that includes Seven Hog. I don't think that he has an easy we make fun of him and they suck something ferocious, but yeah. It's not all the players. It's not. It, there's a culture at Manchester United that I think Alex Ferguson was basically the the little boy with his finger in the dam, holding the water in on the other side. And when he left, that water not only broke through that little hole in the dam, but it bursted through the entire thing. And we've got we got a we got a flood in Amsterdam right now with Seven Hog trying to swim away for his life, my friend. And you know Amsterdam is in the lowlands. That's in the low country of of, of the Netherlands, man. And yeah. you gotta you gotta be a good swimmer to get out of there. Big Mourinho time. was the first one, not Louis Van Gaal. I think it was Mourinho was the first one that dealt with the tr- that really exposed the bullshit, having to not getting the players that he wanted, not getting the players he needed to fit his style. He was getting second choice or third choice, yeah. this and that. He had Paul Pogba. He had an aging but still capable Wayne Rooney. He had David De Gea, who was arguably one of the great great goalkeepers in the world at that time. It was yeah. during this time where De Gea's confidence went to absolute crap because yeah. but but United finished in second place, Nick. Let's so let's talk about that. They they end up finishing second and they get back in the Champions League. And I, I, I felt like at that time, damn, they might actually be turning the corner here. Mourinho's doing a fucking miracle again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it looked to be something, but you know, later we find out that he was having such a hard time with that front office and the owners. Man, it was. This is the first time where you got to see that there was issues with the United franchise itself. You know, um, I say franchise, the the club itself. Yeah, don't it, call them a franchise, dear oh, lord. Oh, I know, right? Yeah. So, it, can I buy? Can I buy a franchise over there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to buy a franchise yeah. over there. Yeah. So it, it's it it's just it's that it's where you start to see that there's these issues, man. It, it, it's Jose was just having these problems that is still continue to this day, 
And a guy like him is not, he's very vocal. I mean, he was bringing it up. He was talking trash about it. Even to this day, he'll talk trash about United. You know, he'll, he'll bring up, you know, the titles he's won and how they can't win any and whatnot. I, you can find the clips online. He'll still talk about it to this day in press conferences. But this is where, like you said, it wasn't with Van Gaal. It was here where you start to see the, the owners, really, the Glazers, not really spending the money that was needed for them to get over that hump and to get back to glory. And you started to kind of think that they could be turning that corner, like you said, and then, you know, they're they're knocked out of Champions League. They're, you know, they get second place. Um, he ended up, I think when he got kicked out of Champions League, he did end up winning Europa um, with – Zlatan. They won, they won the Europa League and they also won the League Cup. Yeah, the, so he so added the, two more trophies to his already his, very full case. Yeah, back home and the Europa League was the second of the th- soon to be three continental trophies. All three continental trophies he would win, and he was also obviously one of the few managers in history to win a Europa League and a Champions League. Yeah, so. To win the to win the Europa League with that Manchester United side, yeah. And let's just be honest, Paul Pogba was such a bust at United. It, it, it's 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 who can we compare this to? I am trying to find something like because that is the, the transfer fee. The, their record transfer fee was broken for him. They paid Juve an astronomical amount of money yeah. for a player who never even got off the damn ground at Old Trafford, yeah. right? So yeah. I am trying to to compare him to someone and I guess it would be to me it's not even like you could say well when Carmelo Anthony went to the Knicks he at least had a season in the playoffs right and he was yeah. like scoring a lot of points Pogba didn't it's not like Pogba was playing for an eighth place United side but he was banging goals in or, or had like 25 assists in a season he he just wasn't good for United yeah. And he yeah. bitched and moaned. He complained. He was a prima donna. He was yeah. injured a lot. Started to get hurt. Right. So it's almost like, I, I'm ch- again, I'm trying. It's hard to find. It, I consider this one of the biggest busts in 21st century football history is, is Paul Pogba to United. No. I, I, it, so I'm. that's why I'm struggling because I can name you players that have had a bad season here or there, but hit all five years there were, were not good. They, there was yeah. not – I can't think of a single highlight for him. No, you're you're absolutely right. And it's been – he's been brought up because I think, you know, apparently he's looking to probably retire already. And to say that about Paul Pogba right now, whenever he's only, what, 30-something? I mean, the early 30s, he still has a couple years. But just that fall from grace was so big for for Pogba that it's, uh, it's ridiculous. Um so yeah, that that's that's something. He was always hurt. He was always hurt. Always complaining. Uh, it, him and Jose were always battling. Like it was just always a problem with Pogba. That had to be one of the, the. I agree with you as one of the biggest just disappointments of the recent, you know, last five ten years. Man, he was just a complete just so, bust. Here's the deal though, since Alex Ferguson retired in 2013, Jose Mourinho is still the most successful manager in United history post Ferguson, that's 11 years now. He won three trophies there. I forget I failed to mention and people are going to laugh. You can laugh at you all you want. It's fine. The Community Shield still counts because it is a trophy. 
So he had yeah. at that time he added to his total. Now he has twenty five trophies after he departs Manchester United. By the way, departed Manchester United with eighteen million pounds in his pocket. So not a bad way to exit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for Mourinho yeah. out of Manchester. But now we're at a, we're at the quarter century mark for trophies won by Jose Mourinho, Nick, in uh, twenty. 17 so he won like i said he won the europa league he won the league cup and he won the community shield so no one else at united has won three trophies other than (laughs) alex ferguson since well i mean well no one other than Mourinho has won it since ferguson retired so that's still you again you you have to say what you you have to look at it like that He's yeah, still in, in, in the turmoil that Manchester United find themselves in post Alex Ferguson. Jose Mourinho is still the best manager they have had since yeah. Sir Alex. Yeah, 100%. He brought them trophies, dude. They're, they're killing, they're dying for a trophy right now, and he brought them trophies. You, okay, so what it. section were you waiting to get to? I got to know this. I'm sorry. What, what? United. No, this is it. United. Oh, this is it. Okay, I thought we were. Because, man, you you got to think, a guy like Jose with these owners, the Glazers, and how things are run, you you had to know that this just had to end in tragedy. Tragedy. Jose doesn't put up with, with crap, man. You know that. If he doesn't get what he wants, he doesn't get his players, he will vocally bring it up, he will he will say it, and, and United is not the club – where you go and you try to change things up and get rid of players. Just it happened with um with Ragnick. He he brought it to the public that this club needs a total rebuild. We need to get rid of these players, fire sale, and this whole club needs to be flipped upside down. What did United do? They fired him. They got rid of him. So well, yeah. You yes, gotta know. You gotta know that Jose wasn't gonna last at United, man. This this was just a terrible, and and he still won trophies there, which is just shows you how good he yeah. really is. It just wasn't gonna last. Here, here's the thing, too: the up and coming Liverpool side that was coming up at that time, Jurgen Klopp was really getting his feet underneath him there. He'd beaten Pep. Like it's it's incredible the success that Jurgen Klopp has had against Pep Guardiola. Even in the early days at Liverpool, he was beating Man City. There was something like Man City hadn't won at Anfield in like twenty something years, or it, it was just. And he kept that train rolling, right? Yeah. Mourinho though still owned Klopp. It was Manchester United. Believe it or not, as as bad as things were, and as much as Liverpool were on the ascent, they would go to Old Trafford and get beat two to one, two nil. On the regular, they would draw at Anfield. Mourinho knew almost like Carlo Ancelotti. He's like the he's like the other guy besides Mourinho who knows how to truly frustrate and fluster a Jurgen Klopp side. Now he didn't do it at Real Madrid in the semifinals of the Champions League, but he did it many times as manager, Manchester United manager Carlo Ancelotti. He frustered Jurgen Klopp when he was managing Everton for crying out loud. I mean, there was th- that that, and then of course. The Champions League final from 2022 where Real Madrid beat Liverpool famously 1-0 in the final in Paris, which was a disaster on many different fronts. But those are the managers, right, that know if you're going to have success against Jurgen Klopp, this is how you do it. Well, Mourinho did that. Even at United when when things were kind of falling apart. You know, these are guys like you have Smalling, Chris Smalling, and Jesse Lingard. 
and an aging Wayne Rooney. Who, I, I think he departed during that time or around that time. Paul Pogba, uh, David DeHaia, Luke Shaw, who Mourinho hated Luke Shaw. God, he yeah, he hated he Luke did. Shaw. Oh yeah, Fred. Fred came in during that time. Fred, oh, good old Fred. Yeah. Fred, not Flintstone, but actual Fred. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Uh, obviously, obviously, God, how do we forget An- An- Anthony Martial and Marcus Martial. Rashford? Of course, yeah. those were yeah. those were the, the studs at that time, right? Defender, so, the defender, the Argentinian. What was his name? Uh, Valen- not was it Valencia or? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. He was pretty good. Number sixteen. He was decent, and he's he ended up leaving. Was it? Yeah. Then at some point they had. <sighs> What was his name uh, from Dortmund? Uh, Mkhitaryan, who came yeah. over from Arsenal. Yeah, Mkhitaryan came. You're right. I, I don't know if that was – I can't remember if that was under – I think it was under Mourinho, man. I think it was right at the end. I swear they got him like right at the end or or it was right after Mourinho left. It was close enough. Might, might have been, yeah. It was, it was somewhere in that time frame, Arsenal. yeah. Remember, he, he went to Arsenal after that. Yeah, I just couldn't remember the order of the transfer, but yeah, he went. Yeah. He he flipped from United to Arsenal, or vice versa. Yeah. One of the two. They it was yeah. it was that flip. But that 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 being said, we're we're moving on. So he he basically keeps his points per game the same though. United one point nine seven. His previous stint at Chelsea one point nine six. The two highlights there, of course, Chelsea two trophies, United three trophies, one Premier League title with Chelsea in the second stint, one second place finish with United in his only stint there. So things are kind of staying consistent, but here's where it drops off, right? 1.77 points per game, 2019, November 20th, 2019 through April 19th, 2021. That's my mom's birthday. Happy birthday, mom, April 19th. He is, so here's a April 19th. What's happened on April 19th? The Oklahoma city bombing happened on April 19th. The Waco, the Waco wackos with David Koresh happened on April 19th. And Josie Mourinho was sacked on April 19th. All that. And my mom was born and Hitler was born the next day on April 20th. And it's also national weed day. April 19th, 20th got a lot of action, man. Got to say Spurs is the next destination. And to me, this is where, this is where we start seeing the black eye. Yeah, I agree. So, you're now fully participating in football. You're in it. What are your thoughts on Josie Mourinho's not even two years at Tottenham? God, man. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause I, it's not that I forget he was there. It's just nothing was accomplished, man. I, I, I following up Pochettino and what he did for Tottenham, getting them to champions league and, and what second they, they almost won the league that one year. They gave it to Lester. Uh, you know, following him up, I just I feel like it was almost an, an impossible thing to do for Jose. I mean, granted, Jose is Jose, and he's really good. Just following up what Pochettino did was was going to be something difficult. And I never, I, I don't know, man. I, I just accredit his time at Tottenham just being more so. Tottenham was just Tottenham, you know. I, I don't accredit it to Jose being crap, really, if that makes sense. Um, never really was too fond of his time there, man. I, I didn't think, uh, I didn't think, you know, I just, I couldn't see him accomplishing much at Tottenham just because it was Tottenham. If that makes sense to you, you know what I'm saying. I I, I was, I was kind of surprised he took that job, but what happened, I wasn't surprised of. I wasn't surprised they didn't get win much, you know. I, I wasn't shocked at at the exit 
Um, it's funny because it, it, Chelsea did it with Jose and Conte, and they then Tottenham did it with Jose and Conte. Did you notice that? Yeah, no, I. Well, now that you said it, yeah, I did. Yeah, I, it's I did crazy, notice it before. Right? They tried the same thing and got the same results. So, well, here's something you should know. So, Spurs, this is this is kind of a th- this is where it really fell apart. So he he had his lowest win percentage since he was at Liria. So that's very early in his career. So this is where you know how we say old people are just basically adult babies. Yeah. So what goes around comes around, right? You start off as a, a, a an infant that shits your pants. You end up as an old person that shits their pants, right? So yeah. what happened here, Luria was obviously his training wheels, and then he goes on to bigger, better things at Porto, and that's where you start to become – that's where that's where young Jose starts to become the, the icon of, of the touchline, right? So back in Spurs, which is his second to last stop, we have 10 league defeats, which is the most a Mourinho side has suffered in a single season, while only in 2015-16 with Chelsea and 2018-19 with Man United has a Mourinho side averaged fewer points per game in a league season than Spurs in 2020-2021, which was 1.6 points per game, Nick. So that was his, his total time there was 1.77, but that season in particular was 1.6. But here's the, here's the big one. He... Mourinho's tenure at Spurs, they had they could not defend a lead. So Brighton and Southampton are the only two clubs to drop more points from winning positions in the Premier League during the time that Mourinho was at charge at Tottenham. That oh. is that is insane because a one nil Mourinho lead at Real Madrid, at Inter, at Porto, that was the death of you. That was oh, it. Yeah. You were done. <laughs> Chelsea, if Chelsea had a one nil lead, that was yeah. it. You're toast. Yeah. Uh huh. I agree. Yeah, so they they didn't ha- he didn't have that defense that he had, you know, they couldn't couldn't hold that lead and and that's what he was kind of known for almost, you know? I mean, people still say it to this day, you park the bus like Marino, you know? But parking the bus with the Tottenham with with, with the he he did it from a strength <laughs> from a position of strength though. He's already up on you 1-0. He earned that goal. They broke you down and they beat you to the to the opening score and his bus parking was with elite talent. This is not Bournemouth yeah. parking the bus. This is not Darmstadt parking the bus. This is not Toulouse parking the bus. This is this is a side that has multi million dollar egos and players and national team players and World Cup winners. They, they're parking the bus on you. Yeah. So th- that there's a difference when when he's got a one nil lead and it, it, but th- th- you know this is a side that has Harry Kane. This is a side that has uh, was was Christian Eriksen still there at that time, or was this yeah. had he already left for Inter? No, I'm pretty sure uh, he he. I think he would left when when Jose was there. I'm pretty sure Jose is the one that moved him along. Okay, well, obviously Son was there, so oh, yeah. you you had Son was there, and it was it was a side that. I know it was Delhi Ali, I think, was still hanging around at that time. Yeah. And then he got rid of him also. Yeah. Jose. Was it Reno that got him. rid of Delhi? I think. I'm pretty sure he sent him off because he, he stopped performing. He did so good for Pochettino and then he just completely fell off. Hugo Lloris. Don't forget about him. Yeah. Eric, well, as we, you shit on him last week, but Eric, <laughs> Eric Dyer. Yeah. God. Uh, Vertonen, I think, was there. Yeah, Vertonghen was there. Yeah, the Belgian defender. Yeah, he also had 
Well, so I may be I may be going back too far, but don't forget Kyle Walker was a spur before he was a a piece of trash with City. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, absolutely, he was. I don't want to say piece of trash. He sold out to City, so that he's still a great player. But yes, anyways, yeah, uh, he was with Spurs at that around that time. So it's not like Mourinho again inherited a club. This is he didn't take over Brighton or Huddersfield. He took over Spurs, who had two of the greatest scoring threats of the past decade in Son and Kane at his disposal. So, I mean, you, you got to take that, but 27 matches, sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. 58 matches, Nick, 27 wins, 14 draws and 17 defeats. I just not, yeah, not a, not a lot of success there. Yeah. Too many losses. You, you can't. Yeah. And that brings us Nick to the final stop on the bus, which is, A.S. Roma. This is his latest stint. What are your impressions? Because you're you're you're, you're taking over Roma. This is obviously the post. Uh, this is the this is the post Francesco Totti era. So that yeah. kind of glory period is gone. Daniel De Rossi, those guys. There, there's talent there. El Sharawi, You have L- Lukaku, right? Yeah. Yeah, the, so yeah. so you have you're not playing again with an empty empty deck of, of cards, but this is also a Serie A that I think has been stronger in the past three or four years than it's been since probably the early the mid midway of the aughts. So like 2004, 2005, 2006, Juventus is good, Inter is good, AC Milan's good, Napoli just won the league. Lazio is is not trash by any means. They're still good. They uh, well, and Fiorentina, you Sassuolo's all, so the, Roma is not. It's not a. It, you could predict the top four in Italy five six years ago pretty accurately, and you could say Roma's going to be somewhere in there. So you know people going to say, well, he didn't finish top four. He never got Roma back to the Champions League. So that's a failure, right? Because if you look at it, he's now. He's now he's 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 now where he was excellent in getting, you know, even Manchester United, for example, to the Champions League. With Spurs, it's a slow decline. Roma, he never quite. It just never. It never really got to the to the point where you're like, yeah, this is this is a success. He's he's doing he's doing he's he's pointing them in the right direction. You and I talked yeah. about it a month ago. They're sitting in fourth place. Now they're in eighth or ninth or wherever they're at. They've lost a ton of big matches in that meantime. Was it uh, Napoli? They they lost or drew. They lost to who was it that just beat them three one? Was it um, AC uh, Milan? I think yeah. Yeah, Milan beat them. They're they're just, they lost the the derby in the Coppa Italia to Lazio. That was you know a, a, that's a black eye. So. I just don't feel like he ever got his footing at Roma. And I will say, when I talked about you're a baby that shits your pants and then you're an old person that shits your pants, like, so his lowest goals per game total of his career, the first one was Laria at 1.7 and tied for worst is Roma at 1.7. Yeah. So we're seeing now a trend where it's going down. So what are your impressions of him? You can say, okay, he did win another trophy, won another domestic, uh, won another continental 
title with Roma in the Conference League, but you have to say overall impressions of of Jose at Roma. There, there, there's not a lot to to you know to to lean on there, right? Yeah, man, it, it was it was underwhelming to say the least. I mean, you kind of expect him to get Roma back in that top four where they were, you know, eight years, seven years ago, where they're in Champions League every season. They're they're contending, they're fighting, they're uh, battling for the Scudetto and whatnot. And and Jose just couldn't get them to that point. I don't know if it was the tactics, the players, or what, but he could never seem to get Roma to get back up there, man. He, he, it just, it was something, something he couldn't do at Spurs and it, and it continued at Roma. I, I feel like that United stint was where it just all, either the game surpassed him or, and his tactics came over, uh, his tactics were uh, outdated or, or he just lost it. You know, I, I don't, I don't know where, where it goes, where I can accredit the downfall too, but ever since, you know, winning the league with Chelsea and then it all just went downhill from there. And with Roma, nothing really seemed to change. I don't know if they just weren't spending right or what, but I, I just, I, I didn't think it was a, I never really liked the move in the first place just because I felt Jose, it was time for him to go back to either Porto or, or maybe go to somewhere like Monaco or somewhere a little bit, you know, smaller, uh, but he he tried it at Rome in in Rome in Italy and uh, yeah it didn't fare too well. Um, I understand he won his his uh, trophy and he might be the only person to ever do that, but uh, that's just not enough, man. You expect Roma to be in Champions League year in and year out, so and, and that's that's why they they bid their farewell. You know that's where that's why I feel they did. Well, the Roma fans continue to support him, so he has he at least the fans do at yeah. that point. Here's the latest rumor. So, as we close the story real quick, because uh, we're running up against the clock here, he is reported. It's uh, Al Shark Al Wasat is reporting, and he this is a, uh, a Saudi-owned newspaper, is what that is. Al Shark Al Sawat is reporting that he is in line to take over at Al Shabab in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, he that's he just yeah. I I don't blame him. Get your money, Jose. Get you some money. Get you stacks, and go and coach in a league that's literally falling apart. Uh, I'd prefer him to go there than MLS, just because I think that that league is even more crap. But that's just me. At least Saudi relegates and promotes. So. So he's he's convinced. This is from the man himself. He said, "I will go to Saudi Arabia in some some free time, but I'm convinced that I will work there." So it yeah. sounds like that's that's where his next journey is uh, on, on 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 the the coaching carousel, which, which is yeah. I mean, what is it? it's it's pretty much every off season in Europe. You you have you have this happen. I mean, sometimes it's in the middle of the season, but yeah. Summing it up, Nick, I think that we may have seen the last of him at a major European club. And that's a sad thing. I think that Josie Mourinho, as I said, I can't, I'm not going to repeat everything, but just in short, I think that he's one of the Mount Rushmore in the 21st century of managers for football, especially club level. If you want to take international level, I mean, I just, I just think that club level is just superior to that. Yeah. I think that he can manage internationally. 
I think that would yeah. be a great fit for him. I thought that's what I think the Portuguese national team or whatever they comes open, you know, I don't know that. what's open, but, but you follow international football much closer than I do, but that would be something that would be of interest for me personally to see, but no matter what happened at Roma and no matter how things happen at Spurs, even you want to take a little bit of the, the, the tarnish off of the Manchester United time, his time at Chelsea, his time at Porto, his time at Real Madrid, and especially his time at Inter Milan have cemented him as one of the all-time greats and certainly one of the top three managers, if not if not the best manager of the 21st century. He's in the discussion. You can throw Pep in there. You can throw Fergie in there. You can throw Klopp in there. You can throw Yul Pinekes in there. You can throw Conte in there. Wh- whoever you want to throw in there. Carlo Ancelotti, God, I almost forgot him. But Jose Mourinho is in there too. Oh, big and time. I think that we we've seen the I think we've seen the last of a breed because I think that there will never be anyone else like him that did things the Mourinho way, stood by what he said, stood by his actions, and was able to get results, cost it what it will. And I think we've we're, we've seen the last in Europe from a managerial perspective at the club level of one of the greatest icons in the history of the sport. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Getting following this and learning his history and seeing what he did in the past is stuff that I'll probably never get to see again. And uh, I enjoyed watching Jose, man, his press conferences and what he did was great. His tactics were, were amazing. You know, parking the bus like Marino was something that I heard and never understood. And now I know what that means. And, and I mean, it'll always be a legend. I mean, somebody who belongs on that Mount Rushmore is uh 100% Jose. I, I, I can't wait to see where he goes. I mean, I, I hearing the Shabab thing is something, but he was talking about, or people were talking about him going to Portugal and trying to get uh international glory. But I mean, chase your money, Jose end of a legacy. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm ready. I'm ready to see uh, see what else he has in store because we still got a couple years for him. He'll, he'll be doing something. That's that's for sure. Do you do you have a favorite Jose Mourinho memory? I I think his uh, his one of his press press conferences where he was talking trash about uh, someone brought up United, and he was talking about how many. Uh, Champions League trophies he won or, or something. I, I, I can't remember the exact memory, but I'm sure I could e- immediately YouTube it. And he just – his press conferences is hands down one of my favorite things, dude. Just hearing the stuff he says is uh is is legendary. And uh, another thing, his story about um, Mario Balotelli in a, uh, a European match where Balotelli got a yellow card in the first half. At halftime, he tells Mario to just go after the ball. Um, it was at Inter Milan. Jose says he has no strikers because both of them were hurt, so he only brought one of them to play, I think it was in Turkey. And he told Mario at halftime, do not touch anyone. If anyone gets the ball, don't go after them. Do not attack them. And I challenge anyone listening, uh, YouTube this because it's hilarious. It's like a minute long. Uh, right at the half, the ball kicks off, and guess what? Mario Balotelli gets his second yellow in like 30 seconds and he's sent off and Jose's left with no striker. Well, that's the stuff that legends are made of, right? Exactly. Right. That's probably my funniest story. That was a, that was a great one for me. It's, it's a, it's a 
go-to moment for a lot of people, especially for Inter fans. But to see Javier Zanetti, who's one of the most loyal players in my lifetime, he was he's an Inter legend. He was there forever. To see Javier Zanetti have all of that hard work that he put on the pitch at the San Siro over so many years of playing with them all the way back to the 90s, to see that culminate in a a continental treble, hoisting the Champions League as the captain of Inter Milan with Josie Mourinho next to him. That's that's what you call that's what you call the the the, the progress right there. That's what you call the end goal, and that's what a call what you call accomplishing your goals. Because there was a plan, it was laid out, it was executed. They sent one of the best strikers in Europe on his way to a different club, got something else in return. They built a team around team play, around great defensive tactics, around taking a lead and sitting on it. And that's why when they when 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 Inter got a one 0 lead on you, you were done. That was the end of that was that was the end game. It was the end of story. You could go ahead and pack it up and and, and start game game prepping for next week, whoever your opponent is, because that was that you were done. Yeah. To see them stand on that podium or on that stage and lift that trophy after what, what what is one of the most historic seasons in, in the history of football, certainly probably the most historic season in Italian football, and that's a very rich history. Yeah. To see that, that's my favorite memory. Again, it's it's a it's a go to Jose moment. A lot of people are gonna say that because it's it's a very easy one to pick out. But I don't I mean there's nothing wrong with being predictable. If sometimes being predictable is being right. And I think that's just right. I think that when I think of him what image I think of him if I say, like, this is the, the image I have of Josie Mourinho in my head. The first thing I think of is that Inter-Champions League trophy being lifted in 2010. That, that to me, defines his career. That's excellence. That's, that's, that's the culmination of a lot of hard work and a lot of team building and a lot of just excellent, excellent players who had one goal in mind got behind the manager and delivered on every single thing that they promised their fans. Yeah. The guy, the guy did a lot, man. I I really had no idea how influential he was until going over his history. So all credit to the great Jose, man. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm happy we, we went through this and, uh, I'm happy we could, um, bring up a lot of this stuff to our listeners, man. Cause, cause a lot of this stuff, a lot of people might not have known. Hell, I didn't know some of it. Well, that's why we do these history segments, man, because it's that it, it's not just about what's going on in current day. What what happened yesterday also counts. So but we're running up on it, Nick. So we got an hour and 30 minutes in here and uh, we're going to have to talk about results and stuff on the next show because we dedicated. And I'm not sad about it because I think Jose Mourinho deserved the spotlight here. Absolutely. Again, I don't know if we're ever going to see him on a European touchline again except maybe as a, as an international manager, I think his club days in Europe could be over. And yeah. if they are, then we were not going to send a episode out without having a lot of time dedicated to him. We would do the same thing for Klopp or Pep or anyone else, Carlo Ancelotti, any of those guys would get the same exact treatment. So Jose Mourinho just happens to be the first in that deck of cards to fall. So we were going to give him his, his own shine. And so we've yeah. done that. So we're going to have to come back next week with results. We'll have AFCON results. We'll talk about what happened this past week or, I guess, this coming weekend in the league. Yeah. There's some some big matchups. 
Obviously, we have Leverkusen and Leipzig coming up, so that's going to be huge in Germany. Big, mm-hmm. big, 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 big matchup right there. So, but for me, hey, this has been—I've really—I've thoroughly enjoyed this. This has been taking a, a stroll down down memory lane. Uh, some great moments from me growing up watching the game. I remember that 2004 Champions League. I watched it. I was living in Germany at the time. I watched Monaco yeah. and Porto play. I don't yeah. think I'll ever see two sides from the French league and the Portuguese league ever playing a Champions League final again, man. I think that yeah. those days yeah. are gone. And so again, trendsetter and he just he just he just that was that was what started this entire great career off on the way that it got started was was a Champions League win by a Portuguese side and and man, I can honestly say he never looked back. Yeah. No, man. I enjoyed it, dude. I, I was looking forward to this. We talked about it. I think as soon as I texted you and said he was sacked, you said, yeah, this is uh, this is our episode. And I said, yep. hell yeah, let's do it. So I'm I'm for I'm definitely happy. Uh, we got uh, a lot of group stage stuff going on in tournaments and uh, some domestic games that we're going to cover on uh, Wednesday. So I'm not sad about it at all, man. I appreciate uh, the history lesson. And this is what uh, Beckham's basement is all about, man. Bringing, bringing this info to the world and to Charleston. So absolutely. Well, Hey, I'm going to turn the lights out. I'm I'm, I'm getting out of mom's basement and Nick, we will touch base next week and get, start talking about leagues results and title races again in the coming days. Absolutely. All right, guys. We'll see you. Take care, everyone.